The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And of course, that music is a little different than the music that uh, you're accustomed to hearing me play. And, um, you know, I'm looking for some beats that uh, I'm a little bit more comfortable with to get me in the mindset and the frame of mind to get my game face on because this is my new game. Of course, I no longer play that game of football. But uh would like to share my comments and and uh, conversations with players and bring that to you since I can't play anymore. But I tell you what, what I can do is I can try to do the best I can in terms of uh, getting the music that yeah, a little bit more in terms of getting me fired up. But I, I, I am going to do this. And it's with a heavy heart that I'm going to start this show out. Uh, and I'll probably finish it on a much higher note. But I'm going to start it out as I traditionally do when something um, or somebody that has come across my life and impacted my life in such a way that um, I, I think that I should pay homage to them and, and, and what they meant to me and what they meant to the society as a whole. And so I, I want to do that for Smoking Joe Frazier. Of course, we all know that we we lost a a, a great man, uh, a great boxer, um, you know, a man who cared about his community, and just uh, you know, just a good he was a good person. Uh, the time that I couple times that I met you know Joe, it was I was just in awe. I couldn't believe I I had met Smoking Joe Frazier, and that um, well, I remember in particular one time we were working at Veterans Administration Hospital in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania during my playing days. And, you know, I'm like, smoking Joe Frazier and Ray Ellis, something's not right about this, you know. But um, but we, of course, um, went throughout the hospital and said hello to veterans, and he and I took some pictures. I like to tell people in the picture, I think my tooth is chipped, and I think Joe hit me with a cheap shot. So, Joe, when I get up there, man, you know, payback. <laughs> but uh, smoking Joe Frazier. And so I'm just going to uh, have a moment of silence, if you will, um, to uh, just recognize and um, just respect Smoking Joe Frazier. Okay, I'm back. Smoking Joe. And, of course, Joe used to do his, you know, had his gym in North Philly, you know, not far from the place where I worked at People for People in, in North Philadelphia. And, and there was times when we needed stuff, and, and Smoking Joe would, would help us out. Uh, but uh, good man, you know, and, you know, one of the greatest fighters of all time. I, I'm not going to change this. I, I do believe in my mind that Muhammad Ali was the greatest of all time, uh, particularly in the heavyweight division. 
And um, he and Smoking Joe, I mean, part of the reason for me to believe that he is is because he he beat people like Smoking Joe Frazier and and Joe beat him, too. But I, I just think Muhammad Ali was a better boxer. But Joe Frazier was right up there in, in the ranks of those the greatest of all time. I tell you what is uh, what else is happening. Uh, it, you know, the National Football League this past weekend. I got to say, I, I saw some football games and and I was impressed with some teams. And other teams, again, just continue to disappoint me. I, I, I just um, I, I just don't know why and how, you know, where you got games where you anticipate and you expect them to win that they don't. And then you have teams that you expect to uh, to lose and they don't. That's why I guess that's why it's any given Sunday. And certainly um, I didn't necessarily think that uh, that Denver was going to win. I, I did not believe that. Um, I certainly didn't believe last night that the Philadelphia Eagles were going to lose. I'm starting to question, you know, Mike's play. Because at some point in time, I think Mike has to just be Mike. You know, don't try to play in, in that, you know, in that box that they put you in. Be be that quarterback that we all know you can be at all times and just take the game over. It's not all about you, Mike, but if they're going to blame it all on you, and you say you know you can play better, and I've heard you say that a couple times, do that. Just take it over. Show us that Redskins game every week that you played last year. That's the Mike Vick that we're aware of. You know, a lot of times people talk about potential. You you have potential when you display an ability to do something so somebody knows that, you know, he's got the potential and he can do this. We know he can. We've seen him do it. Just do it, Mike. Just do it for We We need you. Just do it, because that defense ain't going to get it done. We need to have you in that victory formation. As much as we possibly can can get you in that formation, that's the formation we need to see. We need to see the offense for the Philadelphia Eagles uh, out on the field. Uh, there, there's a couple things that I want to talk to. It, it's about that time. It's, it's, a, it's about that time again where we're halfway through the season, and uh, it's, it's the time where we start thinking about, you know, life outside of football. Certainly, I think players should start thinking about that from the day, from day one. You know, it, it's one of those things where it's, it's yeah, it's a gray area there. You always want to be prepared and you want to be in the mind frame of I'm in my playbook. I'm preparing myself for this upcoming week. But I'm just of the mindset that you also got to think about that this could be my last game. We we never know. Peyton may have played his last game. Peyton's got a nice paycheck to prepare him if, in fact, he did play his last game. But I'm not sure that when Peyton put his uniform on last year, the last game, if he thought that was going to be his last game. But uh, certainly um, we're in a situation now where where players need to start thinking about that. And I start thinking about that because it comes a time of year where uh, we have an event and uh, at the Super Bowl every year, and uh, that is an event that is put on. Uh, the event is called the Player Network Event. The Player Network Event now is working directly with uh, the NFL alumni. And uh, today's guest with me is going to be Guy Troop, and I believe uh, Guy is on the line. Guy, are you there? Yes, I'm on the line. How are you, Guy? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, man. Um, you know, I just briefly said a couple words there about, you know, getting ready for 
this time of the year, which for a lot of the retired players is 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 the player network event because we started getting excited about the Super Bowl. But you know, before I go there, I kind of want to set things up because I, I think, particularly for retired players, and, and we know that the players over the years have have proven that that there is indeed uh, a need for uh, some type of of support uh, as it pertains to um, players making that transition, and, and and I believe a greater example of that is uh, evident by the $22 million annually that was included over a 10-year period of the CBA that was uh, negotiated. So um, without further ado, man, I, I just want to ask you, is, is that a clear indication that these supportive services are needed for players in their transition? And, and in fact, that uh, these programs... Uh, have been justified by, you know, attributing or contributing that amount of money for for programs. And uh, what's your take on that, guy? Without a doubt, Ray, I would say that uh, a commitment of $22 million annually by the NFL uh, to add increasing 5% each year is uh, evidence enough that everyone believes that there's a challenge in supporting players in transition and that there's an obligation uh, on behalf of the administrators in the National Football League and the union uh, to make sure that they look out for the best interests of, of that population. Well, of course, that, that population uh, consists of, of every NFL player because every NFL player at one point in time in his life, and I, I talked about you never know when your last play is going to be, will become a, a former player. And uh, I think, but what you're trying to do, guy, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, is it, you want to try to intervene as as soon as possible, and to get these young players currently today to start thinking about their transition. Without without a doubt, I, you know, I actually just met with a young player today. I live here in Dallas, uh, and the discussion revolved around when, when you begin to commit. Hold on one second for me, Ray. Okay. okay. I asked the player if he could make a 40-hour commitment in a year's time to his own career transition and his own growth and development. And uh, he, he said yes, um, but as I began to really break down what he would need to do in the 40 hours in a year's span, it became a little more problematic. And I, I find that interesting that that uh, an active NFL player might be challenged to just commit 40 hours to his own growth and development in the offseason. But um, without a doubt, the, the league and the union have made commitments to support and help players, but, but there also is a requirement that the player make a commitment to himself. Now, you know, and that's interesting you say that guy about the commitment to himself because of course, if we want to break it down in just simple mathematics, that's less than an hour a week. But if you were to take that over into uh, the off season, if you will, with current players, uh, what was that requirement in terms of per week in the off season? Was that uh, you know eight hours, you know, in, in a week, or how'd you try to break that down for him or package that for him? If that's a well, good question to ask. Developmentally, what I asked to do was to just uh, okay. Developmentally, what I asked him to do is to work through 
uh, is to work through all of the issues with his team and his coach and the personnel so that he doesn't jeopardize his career uh, and then at the same time began to look at his own travel, his own schedule, and make uh, make some, some basic commitments to his own development. And, and you know, guy, and, and that that's a slippery slope because you talk about you know time in the off season, but but time that's still um, determined uh, a minimal commitment now of which they have to uh, spend at the facilities. But 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 many times you'll have players, and and they truly, for some reason or another, um, are concerned about uh, them jeopardizing uh, their current career status by doing something in the offseason that might take away their time. So, uh, and, that, and that's, that's, you know, some of the veteran players are more comfortable with it. But some of the younger players, I think sometimes they, they truly are challenged with, you know, should I be putting all my effort into my career or, or should I be putting some time aside to dedicate for my, my post-career? Uh, is, is, is there some, you know, standard communication you have with them in terms of just letting them know, listen, the reality is going to hit you at some point in time. So it, you, you... Yeah, I mean, I, uh, the standard communication is, is that uh, no employer is responsible for their, your future. You are. Uh, your employer is responsible for paying you for the job uh, at hand, and there's a, there's a commitment that is required, and it, it varies by team, by profession, by job requirement. Uh, we all are, you know, called into the world of work to do uh, do what we have to do to get the job done where it may take you, you know, five minutes to do a task. It might take me an hour. And the reality of the world of work is, is that way. Football is no different. But we all have time away from our jobs. And in that time away, uh, I would, I would say a player would be hard pressed to convince me that he couldn't take 400 hours in a year to work on his own growth and development. So I'm, I'm only asking for 40. Uh, and if, if the, if it's challenging to get that commitment from a player, then, then I would submit to you that his career transition will be challenging. Yeah. And, uh, let, let me ask you something. Is this, is this a program, uh, of which, uh, and, and again, we're talking about the career and business. Transition program of of which uh, you are the director there. Uh, this is a program that uh, has a mission to help both current and retired players, guy. Without a doubt, we what what was the NFL alumni mission, uh, which is the organization that I work for, is to advocate on behalf of of retired players. Uh, but to advocate on behalf of retired players, you one you have to have a, a pretty decent understanding of of the mentality and mindset of an active player. So what we've done is is started to recruit active players as members of the alumni during their playing careers, uh, and we've also created programming that allows active players to access uh, the same advocacy programs that that a retired player could 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 access. So the career and business program is just one example of that. The player networking event at the Super Bowl is another example. 
Well, what we want to do is uh, we're, we're going to take a break, guy, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Player Network event at the Super Bowl. And then we're gonna also going to talk about the relationships of, of two organizations that, are, you know, are near and dear to my heart. And that, of course, is the uh, the Players Association and the NFL alumni uh, who are there to service one body of people. And that's National Football League players. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I have my special guest with me today, Guy Troop, who is uh, speaking with, on beha- with us on behalf of the NFL alumni and Troop 21 and a special event at the Super Bowl this year and every year, the Player Network event. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. All right, we're back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And it matters to me that my Philadelphia Eagles took it on the chin last night. It also matters to me that we lost uh, a, a great man in smoking Joe Frazier. And uh, it also matters to me there's some things going on uh, in the Big Ten, of uh, course, with uh, Penn State University. Those things, Joe Frazier and Penn State University, some things we're going to talk about later. Uh, we'll talk about Michael Vick later. But what we're talking about now is we are talking about a great event, which is the Player Network event which happens every year at the Super Bowl, regardless of where the Super Bowl was played at. Even if it's in a place like Dallas, where there was a lot of snow last year, uh, it was still a great event. And uh, the man who is the brainchild behind that event and who has um, uh, taken it to new heights uh, from his first day till today, uh, and it continues to grow and uh, be a can't-miss event, is Guy Troop. And, of course, Guy is now the director of uh, the career and business transition program with the National Football 
uh, League Alumni Association. So uh, welcome back, Guy. Um, I was just joking with you there. I told you I started to do my Chris Tucker with you on there when you uh, had the <laughs> inconvenience there for a moment. But that's uh, that's the beauty. Uh, we are streaming live. And uh, this is uh, certainly something that I want everybody to be aware of. Uh, the fact that we here at Voice America Sports uh, have our weekly shows. Uh, I probably had as the sports channel director um, between 50, maybe 70 shows. Uh, and a lot of that has come uh, from my relationship with this man that's on the line. Uh, he's assisted me in my transition. I am truly grateful uh, to him and for what he does for players. And uh, so that is why I will continue uh, to reach out to Guy and tell every single player, current and former, that if you're in need of assistance as it relates to your career transition, you should be in touch with, with Guy Troop. Um, and Guy, that, just to throw that out there, for players that are interested uh, in the Player Network event uh, coming up, um, some idea as to how they might get in touch with you and uh, and then you and I are going to talk a little bit more about the Player Network event. But if somebody, I always throw your name out there. Where do they find you at? Where can they reach you? Are there an email address or something of that nature? Uh, yep. Uh, Guy.troop at NFLalumni.org. Uh, or you can go directly to uh, NFLalumni.org's website and search around under Player Advocacy. And all of the information under the career and business tab there uh, will educate you a little more about the programs that we've created and uh, allow you to get in contact with me or someone on, on our team. Now, speaking about the programs that, that you've created, um, P&E, Player Network Event, for the average person out there who may have never heard about it, because I am telling you, I think I went to the, I participated in the 10th, uh, annual player network event and it was my first time ever hearing about that so not let's not make the assumption everybody knows about the player network event and what it is and what the mission of the event is about why don't you explain uh, to the listeners out there a little bit about that well Super Bowl is one of the biggest uh, events in the world sporting events in the world and uh, the rationale behind the event was quite simple there's Tons of fans, corporate uh, executives, and uh, and really just party goers that that come to Super Bowl every year for the experience. They everyone cannot uh, receive a ticket to the game. Some parties are more exclusive than others, but at the end of the day, we wanted to come up with a, an event that would allow players to to connect with people that, that had an interest in them, so corporations and business executives that have admired their talents on the field, we wanted to show players the importance of taking the helmet off and showing the business community who you are, what you're interested in, and, and futuristically what you're capable of to contribute to an organization. And, and, Guy, one thing that I will say is that, you know, we hear this term networking all the time. But for an, for an NFL player, particularly a current NFL player, uh, that individual probably 
you know, doesn't think about networking because everything that he wants or everything that he needs is, is pretty much taken care of for him. Either he has some supportive services in place, uh, either through the organization or through his representatives, of which, you know, he pays for. But in the real world, it, it works a little bit different. So so this whole thing of networking is, is a kind of an art and a science in itself. And, and you've created an event that allows players to see how that kind of works. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, I, I heard the phrase that, that your network will determine your net worth. And when you look at players and the access that they have, then we should all, we can all agree that an active NFL player, uh, even a great college player, when 80,000 people come to watch you play, uh, there there may be six degrees of separation for the average uh, person in the world, but the athlete can probably touch all 80,000 upon request. Hey, fan X or fan Y or fan 7999, uh, I'd like to meet you for a Coke or a coffee at Starbucks. And, and so networking, in my opinion, for the athlete is, is an easier task than, than most anyone on the planet while an athlete is relevant and hot. And, you know, it's interesting, and I wanted you to put it in your own words because I had an experience of a young man who, who attended that great university that I attended by the name of The Ohio State University. And I remember speaking to him about a situation whereas uh, he was asked by one of his roommates uh, who was from a very prestigious, well-to-do family uh, to come and work for them in, in the offseason. And I tried to kind of give him an illustration for because I couldn't think of anything else. And I said, let me just give you an example. It's almost like a car, a brand new car. A brand new car has a value, but so does a used car. And that's kind of, you know, you know, just putting it in, in just some layman terms just to kind of explain to them and explain to him is that, listen, as a new car, which you are as a current NFL player, you're much more valuable to that company. If you go there and, and you network with them now and you participate in, in, in an internship now as an active player, uh, then you will have in terms of value of once you're a retired player. Now, am I correct in saying that guy? Well, I mean, one could argue on both sides of that. Okay. Uh, you know, I think that a, a retired player with wisdom and experience uh, and a decent playing career that nurtured relationships might have the chance to go beyond a young, hot star like, say, you know, Chad Ochocinco. Mm. You know, they're, they're stars that sizzle out very fast. And, and so I think in this scenario in business, the, you know, the tortoise and hare scenario, I think the tortoise wins who grinds at protecting <laughs> and developing his brand over time and developing relationships and a skill set can actually, you know, in the end outlast. Whereas, you know, the star of the day, Peyton Manning may be able to get all 80,000 people to meet him for lunch. And the, and the 53rd guy running down on special teams might not be able to do that, but, but fast forward 10 years and, and that 53rd guy could pass Peyton Manning by. Yeah, and I, I certainly understand that. And I, and I can appreciate, particularly in today's environment, it, you know, it's a situation where you meet people, you, you acknowledge yourself, you introduce yourself, 
uh, at some point in time, you probably go over some background information and, and that happens to come up. Now, they may not remember you, but in, in digital media today, they can certainly Google you and, and certainly your information will, will come there. But that, that was uh, something I, I just wanted to share to, with my friend that I, I thought that uh, perhaps maybe the CEO would take tremendous pride in being out on a luncheon with him and introduce him as a current NFL player as opposed to somebody who's got the salt and pepper that I have. <laughs> they would have to try to remember it. But, but I'm using this platform here to keep myself and my brand uh, relevant. And, and those are the kind of things of which, uh, Guy, you've, uh, you've been able to help players and, and, and stress to players about uh, protecting uh, their namesake and, and, and their brand and, and staying active out there uh, in the community and, and certainly getting a, a head start. Uh, let, let me ask you something, if I will. I want to regress a little bit because... Because we talked about the resources in terms of what's available, um, you know, for players. You're making those transition. Uh, those numbers in the collective bargaining agreement were dedicated uh, for players, uh, retired players and, and their transition issues. Uh, but I want to make sure that I'm clear in saying that those funds were not necessarily um, uh, put into the coffers of the NFL alumni, although they are for former players. Uh, I think the administrator of those funds uh, happens to be the Players Association, of which all players who are former players uh, have uh, a relationship with that organization as well. Am I correct in saying that, guy, that the funds didn't come to you guys? They went to, to the uh, uh, NFL alumni, I'm sorry, the NFL Players Association. Yeah, well, the funds are not to be, the first year they're going to be dispersed uh, will be uh, 2012, so... Out of this past CBA, that the funds they were allocated to the players' association, and the, you know it's a broad stroke around uh, the, the NFL PA will be responsible for coming up with um, the, the strategy for disbursement of these funds that should help retired player transition. So that's a broad area. It could. Uh, I, I don't have the exact interpretation of of even what supporting retired player transition might might have meant to uh, people in the labor negotiations. But the the union is uh, chiefly responsible for, for overseeing how that how that money will be dispersed. Okay, I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm a former player. I've always been one who, you know, I, I try not to bite my tongue. I try to stay, be consistent. Uh, I'm not trying to start any controversy, but certainly there appears that, and I've heard some, some controversy, uh, between the two organizations, the NFL alumni and the NFL Players Association, uh, of which I, I feel that they're, you know, the mission of both organizations is to serve its players. You guys hear those kind of rumbles? You aware of the fact that there's controversy amongst its members out there about the two organizations? Uh, well, without a doubt, I'm in the industry and I'm well aware of the, the uh, back and forth. Um, it's, it's a sad reality of today's environment that, you know, retired players' issues have been politicized. You know, I, I'm... I work for the alumni. I, I could be objective and argue for the alumni. I could be objective and argue the union's position. I could be subjective and do it. But at the end of the day, for me, uh, what, what I think needs to be told is historically retired players have felt as if in mass 
their needs have not been met. And the alumni's new mission was was designed in part to respond to that need, that re- desired request. So uh, traditionally, the alumni was in the business of, of golf tournaments and raising money for children's charities. In the last two years, the alumni added a prong to its mission where it has a player advocacy arm that will do things on behalf of players and, and support player transition. Uh, the controversy is, is that the, the, the union pretty much didn't like that that prong was added. Uh, and, you know, you, you can, as I said, you can argue for uh, why the union would feel that way. Uh, ultimately, where, where I sit, you know, I'm, I'm a man that has always had service at, in my core values, in my core values, and so the alumni in this case is offering a service to its members, and I would hope that the members uh, and non-members would take a look at the service and and be open to receiving it. It doesn't cost you anything to take advantage of the of the services we're offering. And, and guy, in, in, in the big scheme of things, particularly with the NFL alumni, explain to us, if you will, uh, your role. Uh, I'm the director of career and business. Uh, that's a broad stroke, but my my job is to help players develop their own careers or grow their businesses if they have them up and running. And so we do that through a five stage approach that was recently created in 2011. Uh, we probably had, you know, 70, 80 guys that have entered the program uh, since its inception. And, you know, ultimately we're trying to take a guy from, from, from zero to 60 so that he can start to work and take advantage of the brand, the exposure, the experiences that uh, the, the game of football has, has provided. And, and so... Stage one is, is really a three-day workshop where you really come to go through all of the transition issues. I like to call it the first stage of therapy because there's a lot that you have to process emotionally, and, and the NFL uh, really conducts that phase of the workshop for the NFL alumni. Uh, so it's everything in your benefits package, uh, helping you think through financial issues, some career stuff. It, it's a it's a, a smorgasbord of topics. Uh, phase stage two is a is a distance learning program where we're really ultimately trying to get a player to uh, look at his own financial situation, pick a functional area of business where he wants to become competent, and then pick an industry. So that's an eight eight week on the line uh, online workshop. Phase three is a personal and professional branding course where we're really trying to say. Look at yourself, look inside yourself, hone, polish, improve upon your brand. Uh, and there's a series of uh, workshops that we go through over a three-day period. Uh, stage four is really a placement phase where we're trying to provide any player with some work experience in the functional area of business that he says he wants to become competent in. So, hey, if I want to ultimately you know, sell skyboxes for Jerry Jones, that's my dream job, then at stage four, we want to get 
you a sales job, and we don't care what industry it's in. We want you to build a competency in sales, so we're going to put you in a in a four week, one hundred and sixty hour temporary work experience. So you you are aware of what it takes to develop a competency in sales, and that exposure can possibly get you an opportunity of employment with that particular placement uh, company. And then the last phase is really more of a a business development phase where we're working with player-owned businesses to help them really monetize the assets that are theirs and assets that they should have access to, uh, such as the NFL alumni mark. And then that, uh, you know, that that was a long-winded way, but I wanted to get the entire program out. No, that that uh, that was a lot, and uh, a lot for us to absorb. And of course, people like myself have been hitting the head a long time, many times for a long time. Uh, so we're going to need, perhaps, maybe from you, if you can give us a website where perhaps we can go review the same comments you just made, and and then also uh, reach back to you. So is there a website where where players can possibly go and take a look at? And is, and we didn't get into this part. Uh, we're going to have to get into it next week or the next time we're on air together, uh, you know, where the corporate sponsors could also find some opportunities. But where's a website where people can learn about the uh, uh, career and transition uh, program at, guy? www.nflalumni.org. Uh, you go under player advocacy, the tab at the top, and then drop down to the career and business program. You'll find information about the five stages. You'll find uh, interest forms for players and corporations that want to participate in our program. Uh, you'll also find uh, information about the player networking event at the Super Bowl and sponsorship information. Uh, in, in wrapping that, I would like to say, you know, we're really excited about this year's networking event. We, we have four uh, sort of featured opportunities that we really want to promote, the first of which is is an opportunity that, that we're very excited about to partner with Voice America Sports and the launching of uh, an NFL alumni radio and Internet television channel. Uh, it's a concept that we've ruminated on over the years. So at the player networking event, we, we will show up proudly and brightly with Ray Ellis, Voice America Sports, and the NFL alumni, and we're going to do a, a, a really top-flight uh broadcast to show players around the world what what we are capable of doing if we put our heads together, if we network and work together and we share assets. So that's one of the businesses that we will be featuring. We're featuring uh, another retired player, Ray Mickens, a former Jet that uh, has a, a restaurant and a bar and grill concept at airports that uh, we're working through all of the details to allow Ray to use the likeness and images of players that he signs on in deals as well as some marks that we've created through the alumni to really allow airport tra travelers to have an experience unlike any other around retired NFL players and NFL alumni. Uh, so Ray will be there featuring and talking about he's been really creative in, 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 in finding some guys up uh, around food items. So you might have the, the Ray, Ray Ellis Philly cheese steak for mm. a concept in Philadelphia that we were trying to push forward. We, he's based in Dallas. He's starting at the Dallas, Dallas Fort Worth Airport. 
uh, with the bid process and also Dallas Love Field. So that's another business. Uh, the third business that we're promoting uh, is, or the, the third prong is really our entire career and business platform, the program. Uh, we'll have corporations represented there that are interested in offering these temporary work experiences. We'll talk about the five stages of our program. We'll, we'll, we'll try to recruit players to sign up as members to the alumni. It's only a $100 annual membership to be a part. Uh, but there's a smorgasbord of, of items that will be at the career and business booth at the player networking event. And then the last one I'm really excited about is Vernon Davis of the San Francisco 49ers just launched an interior design company. It's called Modern Classic Design. Vernon will be there with Duke's Lounge. Duke is his nickname. And so he'll have a 30 by 10 booth space that is, uh, really takes you into a den, if you will, of a home that he, he has designed. And he's really trying to market and promote with active and former players the business that he's passionate about. He's also an artist. He'll have some of his art displayed and uh, his charity will also have uh, some exposure front and center. Well, God, that's outstanding. And of course, uh, it's not something we're talking about, just talking about. It's something that's going to happen uh, live, of course, in Indianapolis, Indiana at Super Bowl this year. And of course, I'll be there. I want to make sure that everybody out there uh, again has a chance to uh, call in and 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 leave your comments with me. I can pass them on to Guy. You can call me at eight 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 three four six nine one four four. I'm gonna let Guy go. We're gonna take a break and come back. Uh, thank you, Guy, and we're gonna follow up on this in the next couple of weeks as well. Thank you, Ray. Okay. Hey, you're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And talk about controversy, there's about to be a little bit on the other side of this break. So you come back, be a part of that. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. What does building a family mean to you? 
Nobody has experienced the pain and joy of family life in a way that Freddie Scott has. And his experiences in life, in sports, and business can help you create a successful family future. We'll cover many aspects of family building and management with a focus on fatherhood. Men and women want their families to succeed during these tough times. Our show will give you hope for the future and practical tools for a successful family. Tune in to The Freddie Scott Show, tackling the game of life, Mondays at Noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, we're back. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters again. I want to thank my dear friend, Guy Troop who is now, of course, working in conjunction with the NFL alumni to help players in their transition from the game to uh, the adjusting to the corporate America um, and uh, just doing a tremendous job. And and I want to remind all players that those organ- there's two organizations out there, but they serve as players. This has been a man who's been committed. His life has been committed to serving players. Guy didn't play pro ball, but is, a, is an athlete himself. And, and certainly has, since I've known him, done everything he possibly could and never asked me for one penny to try to help NFL players. So there are supportive services in place. There are people that care. Uh, you can find Guy Troop on the NFLalumni.org website. Uh, but what I care about, controversy. No, I don't want controversy. I just want the truth. And I can't get the truth from anybody and everybody, but I can get it from my friend Michael Warren, who is a co-host on GCOB in the house. Michael, how you doing? What's happening, Ray? How you doing, man? Man, I, I, I'm not sure. First of all, you know, we we lose Smoke and Joe. We lose the game last night. And yeah. then it started. Joe Paul's got to go. Joe's got to go. I mean, that's what the word is. Eighty percent of people out there, based upon a controversy that's been around, allegations that have been around since 2002, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, certainly 2005. You know, there's all kind of numbers that are thrown around there. You know, it's been going on for years. And how can something like this, how can it, even though they're allegations, that's what most of the times that's what things are, they're allegations until you get into the court and they're proven. But how does a a media savvy town like Philadelphia not get the news about what's going on up in State College in 2005, Mike, and we're in 2011? Come on, do I smell cover up here? What's going on? Man, something stinks. Something smells really bad. Uh, and they found out about this in 2002. And, you know, it's tough to say. you got some people saying, no, that, come on. If something doesn't smell right, this is bad. And, Ray, uh, you and I talked about, remember we, you had me on a wrestle and all the Hey, Michael, tell, Michael, tell those guys you're doing my show, man. they got to leave you alone. Now, I know you're in high demand. <laughs> What are we Uh oh, Michael, we're, we're we're breaking up bad. Is there a landline you can call me back on? I can hold it down, or you just got to get into another area, or what's going on there? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear. You. There you go. There's a commercial. Yeah, I can hear you now. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. But my point is, when we talk about the school scandals, we're usually talking about some kid taking money, or you know, he got paid for this or that. I mean, oh, it's a big deal, and we got to punish him. This is on a different planet. This is a big. This is this is be, way beyond what we usually see in school scandals. And don't forget, Penn State was always oh they're the good school. They're the we don't get into those violations and things like that. And then to have something come out like this 
And people say, well, Joe didn't really know. Uh, or he did what he was supposed to. Because of his contract, his job is to tell the athletic director. And that's what he did. Now, this is not, oh, hey, Ray, I saw somebody left an empty Gatorade bottle outside. You might want to clean that up. And then I just forget about it. When you hear about something like this, this is not something you just, how do you not follow up with this? How do you not go back and say, hey, where were we on that whole incident? You know, where uh, the graduate assistant walked in on, on one of our coaches and a 10-year-old boy in the shower? I mean, this is, it, this is a big deal, Ray. This is, and they are all, I just talked to my cousin who lives out in State College. And he just said everyone out there right now is, they're obviously very down, but they just don't trust a word of anything coming out of the school right now. And uh, Mike, not from, not, and you're not anybody. And Micah, you know, I understand there's kind of like a subplot going on because the initial allegations from, from what I heard this morning on, on Dan Patrick's show, the initial allegations came out. I guess they were investigated by, you know, some department of government. Uh, the person in charge, perhaps maybe the attorney general, whomever, decided not to go forward with it. And am I mistaken, but is that person can't be found any longer? Not working the earth any longer? I don't know, you know, and this is, we're just getting so many different stories and everyone's trying to see, you know, cover their own behind. Uh, this is this is not a CYA thing here, man, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because here's what I want to say. I want to say the assistant coach that's on the staff right now, if he walked into a shower and somebody had his 10-year-old son bent over, he would beat the hell out of him. And so I'd like to know where was his backbone when he witnessed that and how the hell does he sleep every night? Uh, it's a great question. It, um, it certainly it came up that you know people have said, why didn't he go do something right then? He should have. Okay. Be, he should have beat him. Back. That's. I, I'm sorry. I'm not a. I'm, uh, when I played ball, I wasn't very. I was into violence. But but I'm telling you now. He. I, anybody in the world, we all would have paid his bail money. Uh, we might even served a day for him. Each one of us would have took time. You know, took a day for him in prison. But I am telling you, you. I don't care any man. If you see, if you walk in on a grown ass man with a little 10 year old boy i'm telling you the world tells you gives you a, a ticket to whoop his ass bottom line that's just internet radio go ahead micah <laughs> hey look i'm not disagreeing with that but let's just say let's just think that let's say all right he was startled because he's never seen anything like that let's just let's just say all right he freaked out he, he went back he didn't know what to do and okay so let's give him that but now it's nine years later and you never said hey Guys, remember what I saw? And do you really believe that he told Joe Pa that, oh, well, I saw a, a guy doing something inappropriate with a 10-year-old? No way. If that's what he really told him, then that's got to be on Joe Pa. Like, if I told you that, Ray, wouldn't your first question be like, what do you mean inappropriate? What? What? What did you see? What did you see? Yeah, inappropriate. Yeah, well, bottom line, what are you right. cheating at checkers? Yeah, you see, and Micah, that's what I'm saying. And first, but he's tw let's put it in perspective. You're 28 years old. Okay, and you're 28 years old, and I'm sorry. There are some things I may have been able to keep a secret, but something like that, how do you hold that for 10 years and not tell another single soul in your entire life? I don't believe that. I do not I believe it. that. He'll probably swear on a stack of Bibles that the only person he told was Joe Pa. I believe they said he might have also told his dad and that the two of them somehow. But I am telling you, you can't tell me. That he didn't tell, was he married at 28 years old? Did he have a girlfriend at 28 years old? Where was the, who was the very next person you saw? Did you go directly to Joe Paul? Or did you go to Joe Paul the next day? Cause if you went to Joe Paul the next day and you didn't drink yourself drunk that night, you told somebody else. 
Yeah, you're exactly right. And what's that tell you about maybe the culture surrounding that team in the university uh, that you wouldn't go tell somebody? For, for fear of what? I don't know. But somebody has created a culture that, I mean, can you believe that didn't get out for that long? That. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you mentioned at a party or something, and then all of a sudden it blows up. I mean, that stuff, I, I, I'm just amazed that it did not get out. And then not only that, let's say this. Okay, let's say it happened 15 years ago. Was 15 years ago, was that, the, was that when this incident happened, or has he been doing these things over a period of 15 years? And, you know, how many children has he victimized? How, how many people have been victim of this man's sick mind? And, and I think that every person that's out there that has been victimized by this man, we should pray for them, we should help them, we should give whatever we need to do for them. And, and just in support of them to come forward, you don't have to show your face. We'll give you screens that you can talk and tell the truth, the whole truth. But we, we're, listen, if this man is, is innocent by any stretch of the imagination, because I think that's what it have to be at this time is a stretch of the imagination to think that he's right. innocent. Right. Then, you know, then God forgive us. But for these kind of allegations, I mean, how do you even put yourself in a situation where somebody accuses you of this? I mean, you, you see what I'm saying? This is the worst thing you possibly could accuse somebody of. And now there is as, as many as or as little as probably eight accusations that are out there. Eight? Come on. And Ray, I think the, the one thing about this that really tells me everything I need to know. And again, when you talk about innocent until proven guilty, people always say that. That's court of law. That's not public opinion. Okay? In public opinion, you're as weak as you. But after the 2002 incident, they knew enough that they said Sandusky can't be bringing kids back on campus. Now, think about the kind of information you would have to have to make a statement like that. And that had, Michael, that had, now that you say that, that had to be written because I believe prior to that, wasn't he using the, the university's facilities to run the program or some yeah. component of the program? So yeah. if, so if out of a sudden that has ceased and you no longer are going to allow him to have children on the premises and running his program, what was the justification in that? Yeah, why, why would you do that? What, what could he possibly have done? to make you say that so if you did say that then you know something serious went down yes serious so that right there tells me all i need to know if you knew enough to say well you can't like ray if i showed up at your station today and i was like oh yeah i'm not allowed to bring kids here somebody like what what on earth did you do that you're not allowed to bring kids here <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm laughing because it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, the, the, the TV, uh, the movie uh, Hangover, where the guy said he's, he's not allowed to be around, uh, you know, the little kid's uh, uh, restaurant because he's obviously done, done something wrong and terrible. But this is no laughing matter. Listen, let me change. I mean, it's just it's crazy. Yeah. Let, let me just change the subject here because we I, I got a Philly guy on, man. I, I got to take a couple minutes to, first of all, smoking Joe Frazier. That's first and foremost. Uh, if, if you remember anything, Micah, if, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm a little older than you are, but just this, the city, uh, the passion, the love, the respect for Joe Frazier. Share a little bit of that with us, if you will. Oh, man, you know, um, he's so important to the city. Because you have to remember, this is a town that has not done so well with championships. So, I mean, there was a time when they were trying to say, if Smarty Jones wins the Triple Crown, do we get that as a championship? That's how <laughs> it is around here. That's a horse. Wow. Uh, Smoking Joe was extremely important. Uh, I think... Not only was he great, but this is a town that started, they want a champion so bad. And it, this is a very big boxing city. A lot of great boxers have come out of this city. Oh, yeah. Um, and Spoken Joe was a, it was a very big deal. 
uh, all the, the people on Facebook and Twitter last night, the locals, the local media fans, we're just very, very sad about, about Joe Frazier. Yeah, I'd be interesting. Uh, I, I know in terms of a champion in Philadelphia, I, I would say uh, more recently uh, a champ that might stick out in everybody's mind might be Bernard Hopkins, you know, and, and I'm sure that uh, Bernard being kind of a blue collar kind of guy himself, you know, uh, I don't think he was raised with a lot of money. Uh, kind of similar to a story like Joe Frazier, you know, who, again, was raised in, a, in an environment with not a lot, but certainly willing to work as hard as he had to work. Uh, in order to achieve the status of greatness in boxing that he did. But uh, I spent time with him uh, a couple hours, uh, a few times, uh, just on personal appearances. And I was very gracious, uh, understood, you know, that uh, he was to share his success and his championship with those people that were with him in those particular events. And he was more than willing to do that. As a matter of fact, as I told him earlier, I got a picture where I, before I got my tooth fixed, I, it was chipped. And I said, uh, kind of made the little joke that uh, Joe chipped my uh, tooth with a little cheap shot. But uh, great man. When a, uh, him and Muhammad Ali, some of the greatest fights ever in history. You know, if there were, yeah. if there were five, they probably got two of them. Uh, yeah. But certainly uh, he will be missed. Now, quickly, because we got about a minute. Okay. How disappointing was the loss last night to the Chicago Bears to the city of brotherly love? People were very disappointed, but I got to tell you, and I said this the whole time, the Bears always give the Eagles fits. No matter how good they are, no matter how bad they are, they give the Eagles fits. So I was not, I mean, eight-point spread, I was not expecting the Eagles to go in there and knock them around. The Bears play the Eagles tough, and I think people are just very frustrated right now because I think they believe that the season is over, which technically it's not, but three and five, you got and don't forget the Giants took out the Patriots on Sunday, you know, you penciled that in as a loss when you look at that schedule. So that made it hurt even worse because the Giants took another game and then you lost this one. A winnable game, a typical 2011 Eagles loss where you can point to eight different things of stupid little stuff that went wrong and you go if, 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 if. And that's been with every loss. And it's another fourth quarter lead bone. Let me ask you. After losing, it's how they lose. Okay, they always say the quarterback gets all the, you know, glory when they win and all the blame when they lose. Is it Michael Vick's fault that the team is not winning these ball games? No, I I, I, I have my issues with him, but I mean, there's just so many stupid things. It's just the, the, the penalty at the wrong time, not securing the ball. Uh, it, it's just the variety. The defense is too undersized, which goes back to personnel and the fact that the defense is run by an offensive line coach. Which anyone who listens to G Cobb in the house on Friday nights knows, I spend a good twenty minutes on that every week. I mean, there's just so many things functionally wrong with this team, and this is how the losses add up. Bad teams find a way to, to play like this, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, I tell you what, man, they spent a lot of money in the offseason on the defensive side of the ball, and I would say that the offense has been what's won most of the games for them. It's certainly not the defense. But, but again, yeah. this is a new National Football League. Remember now, the New England Patriots. They got the worst defense in the NFL, you know, yeah. and, 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 and they got a defensive genius over there in Bill Belichick. I still think that some of the defensive coordinators in the National Football League are trying to find out how to play defense and how to win in this new NFL, if you will. Listen, Mike, I certainly appreciate you calling in, man. Uh, again, you can always catch Micah here on Voice America Sports on Fridays with G Cobb in the house. And uh, I think we're looking at changing the date, but I'll be in touch with you, Micah. You be safe out there. You've all been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And I'll see you the next time, which will be the best time. God bless you, Smoking Joe.